Act Proclamation News and Gatherance with a prominent man, Professor Johnson. I'm an ambassador on Castbox. I'm going to reminisce some good times and some bad times. I'm going to marinate the audience. Today is an extra, extra ordinary day. It's broadsheet, it's broadcast, it's emotional, it's emotive, selective, jurisdictional words. It's a proclamation of news and governance. Professor Johnson, today's cast inside the proclamation's judiciary. Tyranny speaker, prominency of a man. Hello ladies and gentlemen, so please stay tuned as I welcome you with a reconciled show and proclamation. Always working on progressive progression. Today I'm going to do more for God than I did yesterday. Tomorrow I'm going to do more for God than I did today. So stay, stay, preserve, stay tuned. Observance. I'm excelling my quantity, my qualities, my sexualities, my exploitation of words subscribed. My heart always welcomes the democracy, the people first. I'm not a selfish man. Your safety is paramount. I'm cheaper than the Sun newspaper. I'm cheaper than the Daily Mail or the Daily Telegraph. So give me some encouragement. Show your support. Share and subscribe. It's positivity. It excels. It's expressionless to subscribe to Proclamation News and Governments. An enthusiastic episode. It's characteristics. It emphasises. And it's characterised. It's emotional and it's selective. Selective hearing, selective listeners. Selective subscribers, but it's about time we build his audience in abundance of flux or flow. It's UK's road users' safe guided habilitations. And to show some respect for our legal authorities, the law divides, the law multiplies. It's becoming very essential to subscribe and share its content of proclamation news and Gatherance. It's vocal. It's extraordinary. I'm an independent operator, a human safeguarded navigator. I'm like a independent Superman, Robocop, like-minded UK road user investigator. We're cheaper than the Daily Mail, and it's free to air. So stay tuned. Today's modern society, we talk, we take a look at the UK roads, the UK's infrastructure, safety within the infrastructure. So think first, think safety. Do not enter your car under the influence of alcohol. Do not enter your car under the influence of narcotics. Do not enter your car under sleep deprivation. Making sure you and passengers board have Seat safety belts on and babies have seat belts adjacent to the car seat. Check your engine oil, engine coolant tank and engine oil are filled up to the maximum level. Check for PSI limits before takeoff. And also tire treads are not bold. Look out for road safety signs and further road police safety instructions. Check both your wing mirrors and centre mirrors before acting turn into a safe sufficient directional choice 
checking motorcycles and overtaking and pedestrians are not crossing. Plan your destination. It's UK road users guidelines give you some acknowledgement of road congestions, road works and car accidents. So it's very beneficial to subscribe. Show your support. Give me some encouragement. And share to keep not only me but others safety within the UK roads. Please call 999 or 101 for emergency and legal authority assistance. But please have some forbearance as our police are very busy day to day. With racketeering, theft and other road accidents. A fire brigade are busy with many fires, offices and fields etc. And our children at school giving the pat down talk to our children. Fireman Sam says do not play with fires or matches. And our NHS are very busy with many elderly patients, hip, hip operations, heart disease, cancer. And many people have slip trips or falls at work. Mothers giving birth to wonderful babies in the baby unit. Did you know most deaths are caused by slip trips or falls at work? So make sure you've got your competency card, your CSCS card. Think safety, think first. Tragedy, tragedy, tragedy. <laughs> Tragic car incident today. Horror car crash between car and buses leaves two critical. It was reported five hours ago. A woman and a teenager are in critical condition after a car crash and bus crashed in Liverpool. A number of people are in their critical condition after a bus and car crashed in wet conditions in Sydney West. Just after 11pm today, 11 ambulance crews, including a specialised medical team and a helicopter, were called to the scene of the incident on Memorial Avenue in Liverpool. A woman believed to be in her 50s and a 13-year-old girl who were in a car were rushed to hospital in a critical condition. The male driver, the male driver also believed to be in his 50s, is stable. A boy and a woman, to believe in their 60s, were travelling on a bus were also injured. The teenager was taken to Westmead Hospital and a woman to Liverpool Hospital. They are both stable. This is a hover crash on wet roads today with multiple patients in critical conditions. Inspector John Brotherhood, Duty Operations Manager, NSW Ambulance said, Five people were in, injured in the incident in wet conditions. It was mayhem when paramedics arrived on the scene. In these wet conditions, our roads are unprecedented and have potential to be life-threatening. It takes a single thing to go wrong and your vehicle can become a weapon. Look after each other in these conditions. Proclamation news in Gavins. You can't be a flux news daily. It's spread and it's broadsheet news article. LPD response to free car crash near Adams and N, 46th Street. It's a source by Mackenzie Huck. Lincoln, Neb, Cohn. Lincoln police responded to crash near Adams and N, 46th Street on Friday. The incident occurred around 6.23pm. According to officials, three cars were involved in a crash 
at least one person had to be extricated. Five people were taken to hospital through the current extent of their injuries unknown. Officials had to for additional ambulance and extrication tools. LPD said the road near N46 and Adams will be closed for several hours. The incident is still currently under investigation. The story will be updated as more information becomes available. That's proclamation. With two major constants, buckle up this month. It's going to be a ride down the wild side. <laughs> now it's time for proclamation inside Westminster Abbey. All around Westminster, inside the Lords, inside the Commons. Outside, all around the circumference, Westminster Abbey, House of Parliament. Jeremy Corbyn, to slub Labour inquiry in into disastrous election defeat is exclusive Damon report expected I mean I like Jeremy Corbyn he's like Marmite you either love him or you hate him he was MP of North London when I was born but ironically he talks absolute nonsense Jeremy Corbyn is to snub a formal request into Labour's disastrous performance in the general election. The Labour leader is not taking part in a probe into what went wrong at the polls. The Independent understands which is due to examine the route, causes behind the party's worst electoral defeat since before the Second World War. Headed up by former leader Ed Milband, the inquiry was expected to report that Labour was hopelessly outmatched by the Tories in its digital campaign, which activists on the ground were repeatedly confronted with concern about Mr Corbyn. Mr Corbyn Solis said, It's looking to be a horrific bleak week for Labour Party ahead of proclamation as a government showdown this week. Labour Shadow Minister John Answorth in the end of the party warning. Jo Jonathan Answorth, Ashworth, I was correct. This was the irony of the phone call. I mean, who was running Labour Party captain? Ironic. It's a total shambolic episode, a catastrophic episode, to say the least. Labour's devastating general election defeat spelled the end of the party. Shadow Health Secretary Jonathan Ashworth has warned. MP told a BBC Radio 4's documentary the party had to change or face up to 15 years out of power. Unless we do something quick, it could be the end of Labour. It could be the end of Labour Party in this country, he said. Senior Labour and Tory figures give frank assessments of a 2019 campaign in the programme to be aired on Sunday. Labour went down to, to its, its worst defeat in the terms of seats since 1935. Although its vote share was slightly higher when it lost in 2010 and 2015. Mr Ashworth had to apologise to 
to his party two days before the election. After saying he did not believe it could win, blaming the combination of Corbyn and Brexit. The voters didn't buy it. He said it was set up by a Tory friend who secretly recorded his comments and released them to the media. I obviously regret that and I still think it's it's about all that it's about it all time. He told the inside story of election nineteen documentary. But he added, I was correct I was correct. That was the irony of the phone call. The Leicester South MP is critical of the Labour's decision to focus on claims the Conservatives were plotting to put the NHS on a trade in table talks with America. It was a legitimate point to make, but I think political voters didn't buy it. He said, because it did not directly affect their lives. He also claims there is a lack of communication and planning at the heart of Labour's campaign. He said he told about the Labour's free broadband pledge by a BBC Newsnight producer while he was getting, while he was waiting to go on air to talk about Labour's NH policies. I knew nothing about it, he says. Adding it was a week when we were trying to focus on the NHS and we're suddenly going off into another election. A Brexit election. A Brexit election, he says. He added again, a Brexit election. He added that he did not think that Labour should assume it would automatically return to power. And it needed to change. We could get, we could get out for another 5 to 10, 15 years, he says. Jeremy Corbyn's former Director of Communications, James Schneider, also highlights a lack of trust between the key players in the campaign. John McDonnell and his shadow treasury team did guard quite closely the big announcements he told presenter Anne McElvoy. Over the course of 2019 and the disagreements on Brexit, our levels of trust within the operation had reduced very much and there was some operational scratchiness. Cut right through, cut through the heart of it, he said. Labour's campaign slogan, it's time for real change, never took off. We never filled it in with content or other meaning. Give the impression that the party was throwing things at the wall. The Conservatives owned their social messages during their campaign before unleashing a barrage of negative, nasty messages about Jeremy Corbyn in the final days, says Mr Schneider. Mr Schneider. Overwhelmingly saying Mr Schneider. Isaac Levidou, the Australian strategist who won a Conservative campaign, said he had no regrets about any of the party's messages. He describes a much criticised social media video edit, edited to show Sir Keir Starmer apparently unable to answer a question on Labour's Brexit position as a little bit of fun. Ironically, a little bit of fun. From time to time, you need to get... To do things that cut through, he added. Yes, 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 we won, we won. Oh, magnificent, marvellous, splendid, applaudable response, he says. He also revealed that he tried to maintain more to a Tory HQ headquarters by playing music, including One Day More. 
the moose call there's moose balls on the eve of the polling day. I think it was a bit of a sing-along. People were quite delirious by the point he added, ha 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 ha. Cabinet Minister Michael Grove is asked if it was to make for Boris Johnson not to be interviewed by BBC's Andrew Neil. No, because... No, because we won, he says. All oh, right, we won, sure. I'm sure Boris would have done brilliantly. But the best in the world, I'm a huge fan of Andrew Neil. The purpose of running an election campaign is to win so that you can govern the country well, not to agree to every broadcast bid. Lib Dem leadership contender Leda, Leila Moran said to her party failed to properly explain its policy of cancelling Brexit if it won the election. It made us look arrogant and it made us look stupid, she says. Labour MP Caroline Harris is emotional speech on stillbirths. Labour MP Caroline Harris has told MPs she suspects her mother never knew where her sister was buried after her stillbirth. She gave an emotional account of her mother's experience in a Commons debate on historic stillbirths and burials and cremations. Here we go, we're going to listen to her. MP Caroline Harris inside Westminster Abbey, please can you elaborate on proclamation and governments at this time? We are welping for these mothers, absolutely devastating. Here we go. Caroline Harris, welcome to Proclamation and Governments. Inside Westminster Abbey. Decades ago, when a woman had a miscarriage or gave birth to a stillborn baby, she was usually urged to forget about what had happened and often to try just to move on and have another baby as soon as possible. Families weren't given time to grieve or offered any form of counselling. There were no special rooms with cold cuddle cots. Rarely were there opportunities for parents to even hold their babies for just a few minutes for the first and the last time, let alone take any photographs or gather mementos for the treasured memory box. Babies were simply taken away quickly and quietly by hospital staff to be buried or cremated in an undisclosed place. Fathers were usually advised to hide baby products at home to help with the healing process and avoid traumatising the mother further. They were sometimes asked to pay for the burial. And when I heard a story of a man who kept the receipt of his child's funeral as the only memento of his child, it was really painful to hear. These little innocent bodies were either cremated, buried, in a communal plot sometimes, or placed in a coffin with a woman who had recently passed away. In some military cemeteries, babies were given their own plot, but marked simply with a number, never with a name. On January the 19th, 1958, my mother delivered a full-term baby girl. She was eight pounds in weight, but she'd never took a breath. And in those days, there weren't endless antenatal appointments or scans or reminders to pregnant women to count the kicks. So my sister's death was totally unexpected by my mum. Until her dying day, my mother believed that my sister had been buried with an elderly woman. But I honestly don't know if that was a fact or whether it was a story that she invented to comfort herself. And over the years, she's come to believe it to be the truth. 
My mother never grieved my sister properly. She put up a wall. She was always afraid to show emotion. She was the most wonderful, loving mother in the world. But she was pretty rubbish on hugs. Because she was terrified that if she showed love, something bad would happen. When I had a scan from when I was having Martin, the date of birth they gave for Martin was January the 19th, 1981. And it traumatised my mother that I was going to be having a baby on the day that she lost hers. Thankfully, Martin was born on the 24th of January, but my mother always believed that that date of the 19th of January was a bad omen that Martin was due and we were to lose him the way we were. And she carried her child for nine months. She prepared to be a mammy, and then she left hospital without her baby, with no support and no idea of where a little girl's final resting place would be. And you know, my mother never really grieved for my sister until the day I lost Martin. And then she grieved as a mother and as a grandmother. And my mother's life was destroyed on the day that we lost Martin. Because she remembered Martin and she remembered the baby she'd lost 30 years before. This practice of taking stillborn babies' bodies and burying them without disclosing the location to the parents continued right up until the late 1980s. And in the years since, families have started to search for their little one's graves. One lady, Paula Jackson, dedicates her spare time for free to helping people to find their babies and in the last 15 years has found 800 babies. Well, that was MP Caroline Harris. If that didn't touch the mothers of stillborn babies' hearts, I don't know what will. That was really, really devastating. Absolute devastation. Great speech by, brave speech by um, Labour MP Caroline Harris inside Parliament today. Really, really extraordinary. Um, oh my goodness. MP Caroline Harris, Labour MP. I didn't think there was many exceptional MPs in Labour, but MP Caroline Harris... I welcome you to Proclamation News and Government this afternoon. Thank you so much for that extraordinary story inside the Parliament. It's really, really emotional. Emotive in a way, because it's touching many hearts, bringing our hairs on end. Oh my goodness. Well, Caroline, thank you very much. Anyway, whew, had a breather there. Um, is the government avoiding the media? Does it even matter? The media and the government have always had a frosty or far too cosy relationship depending on who you want to believe. However, have things taken a turn for the worst? This week there was a mass walkout by political journalists after senior reporters say they weren't allowed into into a meeting at number 10. This is denied by those working for the Prime Minister. They argue that this is the most open, transparent government in decades. The government is being accused of avoiding those questions and selecting who it gives background information to. A minister told Parliament who reserves the right to believe brief journalists, which we choose whenever we wish to, and that is something, something abnormal. Is the government avoiding tough questions? What? That's what some critics think. The government hasn't been interviewed on some national BBC news programmes after a major news event, like the recent terror attack in London. We asked ministers to appear on BBC's 
video for today. Today to explain what they explained to do to stop with these terrorists attacking people on the streets. There was none was available. It has always been normal for journalists to be invited in groups for background chats about stories by government departments, which are called briefings. Journalists walked out on Downing Street this week after its, after its claim they were put on two sides of the room, with one group asked to leave. Instead of letting this happen, all the reporters have walked out in a solitary. They have collectively decided to not to be give long interviews and wanted and what happened but one has told proclamation news beat that our actions speak for themselves and it's for the governments to explain its actions i can safely say in 22 years of being a political journalist i've never experienced daylight today number 10 sources now insisting the political editors like myself are not banned they are just not invited My last word on this, I felt deeply uncomfortable being left to stand on one side of the room while colleagues' names were read out one by one and they joined the group deemed acceptable by number 10 Sinister and Sad. The Prime Minister's team deny this is how it happened. Newsbeat have contacted Downing Street for a comment and was told to watch MPs sitting in the House of Commons when a minister would give the government's version of events. The Cabinet Office Minister Chloe Smith told MPs that no journalists are barred from official briefings hosted by the Prime Minister's spokesman. It is entirely standard practice for the government to host additional technical specialist briefings, as was the case, she said. Is this really new? Governments of all parties have always been in information to parts of the media, more likely to give them better coverage. However, journalists who have been reporting on politics for the for years feel we have seen a big shift recently. For four, four, for four years under Tony Blair's government, I worked for the Daily Mail. His number ten absolutely hated us. You might you might say justif justifiably, and yet we were never banned from any briefing involving civil servants under his government ever. We've seen lots of stories on how Boris Johnson closes closes team are preventing ministers from appearing on BBC Four's Newsnight and the BBC Radio's for today's programme. Presenters on ITV's, ITV's Good Morning Britain also say they were being ignored, and senior ministers have refused to appear on Channel Four since before the election. These two number ten clowns, Cunnings and Kane, want all-out war with the media. Bring it on! says Boris Johnson. Someday this was a deliberate uh, tactic to voice scrutiny, something President Trump is accused of in America. President Donald Trump has a complicated relationship with the US media. Donald Trump gave Boris his back as Prime Minister at the last election and some journalists who were at the briefing saying, saying that this event feels like something that could happen un under the American leader. Is the government just changing how it gets the message across? There has been a big shift in how government gets the message to voters and a lot of a lot of it is about politicians of all its parties using social media to direct connect with the audience. Labour had a success with this in 2017 election, a strong social media strategy 
is central to modern politics. But Boris Johnson faces questions once a week from MPs and Prime Minister's questions or PMQs for short in the House of Commons. It's an event loved by Westminster geeks but not popular with the rest of the country. Boris Johnson and his team have, have started an event to follow it called People's PMQs where he answers questions sent in on Facebook. The government says this is about answering questions that matter to voters but critics say the questions are selected by his team and can be quite easy to answer. What shampoo do you use? This is uh, to Boris Johnson. He answers your questions for the people's PMQs. Not just the government. We mentioned that Labour under, under Jeremy Corbyn has been a good and at using social media, but it also has criticised for how it deals with the big media organisations. Some political observers say the party leaders have been reluctant to appear in the mainstream media outlets. So when when Labour spokespersons on the media said the government was behaving like President uh, Trump's critics of Jeremy Corbyn were quite likely to highlight there were as inconsistency. Got Harry Cole here, his post on Twitter, day or, Day off. It's not really following the drama, but it, but this takes the biscuit. Corbyn has run away, at times literally from proper scrutiny. No press interviews for years as his fans whip up attacks on the media, handpicked invites for the election, coverage and contempt at basic questions. Tracy Brabin MP, Labour's shadow digital culture and media secretary, commented on the selected journalist, a barb from Down Street briefing said, Press freedom is a cornerstone of our democracy and journalists must be able to hold the government to account. It's concerning, concerning that Boris Johnson seems to be resorting to tactics imported from Donald Trump to hide from scrutiny. The future trade agreement with the European Union is an issue of public importance and interest. Those gaining access to such important information should be cherry-picked by number 10. We asked Labour for an official comment and so far they've not given us one. Does any of this matter? Some will say this is a bit inward looking and it's just big established media organisations getting angry and feeling left out. There could be truth in that but others say this is a big issue because how the country works relies on the government being held to account and being scrutinised. Currently the main position of the Labour Party are a weak position and lost the recent election are a long way from power. Critics of the government will be hoping the media is able to do a lot of questioning instead and anything that pushes the press out prevents this. Prime Minister's team insists it is open to scrutiny. Showbiz news and proclamation news. Showbiz news. Mr Philip Schofield's secret support squad at ITVT, ITV as he announces he's gay, Philip Schofield. Philip Schofield bravely came out of his gay and emotional interview with his this morning TV host Willoughby. And now the Sun Online can reveal the secret support network who've been there for Philip behind the scenes during a difficult decision to come out to public. Holly Willoughby and Philip Schofield hugging after the interview. During the tearful chat, Philip opened up about how he was couldn't have done it without his 
his co-host and pal Holly Willoughby, calling her sister he never had. He also paid tribute to his wife of 27 years, Steph, and daughters, Molly and Ruby. The host had surrounded himself with a showbiz circle friends, from Declan Donnelly and Lee Francis to Bradley Walsh and Peter Jones, leaving him well prepared for any changes ahead. They parted together to go on a holiday together, and now the stars will support each other. Holly Willoughby, Philip Schofield and Holly love a good drink together. The most obvious friend is this morning's co-star Holly Willoughby. She interviewed Phil as he came out to the nation and promised to always be there for him. Not only are the pair known for their boozy nights out, especially after MTAs, which they won 19 years in a row, but they also go on holiday together. Holly recently contested rumours they were in a feud, saying she's not that good good an actress to be able to fake their on-screen chemistry. Declan Colony, Philip Schofield alongside Holly, Peter Jones and Anton Deck. One and a half of the ITV presenting duo is good friends with Philip, spending time with him on holiday and enjoying boozy nights together. In 2018, Philip cooked ribs for Deck, his partner Al Astell, Holly Willoughby and her partner Dan Baldwin while on holiday in Algarve, Portugal. Deck revealed on Chris Evans' breakfast show that in a meeting event wasn't planned. It's brilliant, it's brilliant, and it's all kind of happened organically. We've holidayed out here in the past, and we just seem to meet up here in August. Philip cooked the gang ribs on holiday. In fact, Deck and Phil loved holidaying in the region so much they both invested in a development in Cuento do Lago. Unfortunately, the project fell, fell through and they lost their money, about 2.5 million each. It was also spotted at Phil's 57th birthday at a swanky private members club, High Road, High, High Road House in Chiswick, alongside Phil's wife, daughters and former footballer Frank Lampard, Bradley Walsh and Philip Schofield both love a drink. <coughs> Quiz show King Bradley Walsh is also Philip Showbiz's friend circle. They both love a good drink and are spotted getting booze on holiday alongside Holly, Holly and her husband Dan Baldwin. They even drank caramel vodka shots together, sang karaoke and danced on tables, proving friends who parted together stayed together. Keith Lemon and Lee Francis. Keith Lemon, star Lee Francis, is a good pal of this morning's presenter. Whilst naughty alter ego Keith Lemon will probably give Philip a good ribbon in the coming weeks. Lee Francis would have been supportive, close, confident of Schofield, the pair are good friends off the, off the scene, and even enjoyed clay pigeon shooting together in 2018. Lee, Lee is also mates with Holly off screen, which means they will spend time together, more time together than we know. That is, must be quite hard to come out your shell on live on TV. Um, congratulations to Philip Schofield. Not my, not my cup of tea or my gender selection, but good luck and well done for coming out your shell, Philip Schofield. It's all proclamation, but we're gonna stay tuned. We're gonna look more and what's on more next.